Thank you for listening to this free audiobook created by Project Gutenberg and Microsoft AI. To learn more about the project or give feedback on the quality of a recording, please visit aka.ms/audiobook. The Lives of the Twelve Caesars by C. Suetonius Tranquillus, to which are added his Lives of the Grammarians, Rhetoricians, and Poets. The translation of Alexander Thompson, N.D. Revised and corrected by T. Forrester, E.S.Q. A.M. Lives of the Poets. 531. The Life of Terence. Publius Terentius Afer, a native of Carthage, was a slave, at Rome, of the senator Terentius Lucanus, who, struck by his abilities and handsome person, gave him not only a liberal education in his youth, but his freedom when he arrived at years of maturity. Some say that he was a captive taken in war, but this, as Fenestella, 925, informs us, could by no means have been the case, since both his birth and death took place in the interval between the termination of the Second Punic War and the commencement of the Third, 926, nor, even supposing that he had been taken prisoner by the Numidian or Gatulian tribes, could he have fallen into the hands of a Roman general as there was no commercial intercourse between the Italians and Africans until, after the fall of Carthage, 927, Terence lived in great familiarity with many persons of high station, and especially with Scipio Africanus and Caius Delius, whose favor he is even supposed to have purchased by the foulest means. But Fenestella reverses the charge, contending that Terence was older than either of them. Cornelius Nepos, however, 532, informs us that they were all of nearly equal age, and Portia's intimates a suspicion of this criminal commerce in the following passage. While Terence plays the wanton with the great, and recommends himself to them by the meretricious ornaments of his person, while, with greedy ears, he drinks in the divine melody of Africanus's voice, while he thinks of being a constant guest at the table of Furius and the handsome Laelius, while he thinks that he is fondly loved by them, and often invited to Albanum for his youthful beauty. He finds himself stripped of his property, and reduced to the lowest state of indigence. Then, withdrawing from the world, he betook himself to Greece, where he met his end, dying at Strymphalos, a town in Arcadia. What availed him the friendship of Scipio, of Laelius, or of Furius, three of the most affluent nobles of that age? They did not even minister to his necessities so much as to provide him a hired house, to which his slave might return with the intelligence of his master's death. He wrote comedies, the earliest of which, the Andrea, having to be performed at the public spectacles given by the Aediles, 928, he was commanded to read it first before Cicilius, 929. Having been introduced while Cicilius was at supper, and being meanly dressed, he is reported to have read the beginning of the play seated on a low stool near the great man's couch but after reciting a few verses, he was invited to take his place at table, and having supped with his host, went through the rest to his great delight. This play and five others were received by the public with similar applause, although Volcatius, in his enumeration of them, says that the Hesira 930 must not be reckoned among these. The eunuch was even acted twice the same day, 931, and earned more money than any comedy, whoever was the writer, had, 533, ever done before, namely, 
8,000 sesterces, 932, besides which, a certain sum accrued to the author for the title. But Varro prefers the opening of the Adelphi, 933, to that of Menander. It is very commonly reported that Terence was assisted in his works by Laelius and Scipio, 934, with whom he lived in such great intimacy. He gave some currency to this report himself, nor did he ever attempt to defend himself against it, except in a light way, as in the prologue to the Adelphi. Nam quod isti dicem malevoli, homines nohiles hunc agitare, acid vecunus scribri, quod illi maledictin vehemens existament, im laudem hic dusit maximum, cum illis placet, cavobus universus et populo placent, quorum opera in bello, in ocio, in negotio, saw quis tempore usus est science superbia. For this, which malice tells that certain noble persons assist the bard, and write in concert with him, that which they deem a heavy slander, he esteems his greatest praise, that he can please those who in war, in peace, as counselors, have rendered you the dearest services, and ever borne their faculties so meekly. Coleman. He appears to have protested against this imputation with less earnestness, because the notion was far from being disagreeable to Laelius and Scipio. It therefore gained ground, and prevailed in aftertimes. Quintus Memmius, in his speech in his own defense, says, Publius Africanus, who borrowed from Terence a character which he had acted in private, brought it on the stage in his name. Nepos tells us he found in some book that C. Laelius, when he was on some occasion at Putili, on the Calends, the 1st of March, 935, being requested by his wife to rise early, 534, begged her not to suffer him to be disturbed, as he had gone to bed late, having been engaged in writing with more than usual. Success. On her asking him to tell her what he had been writing, he repeated the verses which are found in the Hutin Timoruminos. Satis pol me siri promessa, Hutin. 4. 4. 1. I faith. The rogue Cyrus's impudent pretenses. Santra, 936, is of opinion that if Terence required any assistance in his compositions, 937, he would not have had recourse to Scipio and Laelius, who were then very young men but rather to Sulpicius Gallus, 938, an accomplished scholar, who had been the first to introduce his plays at the games given by the consuls, or to Q. Fabius Labio, or Marcus Papilius, 939, both men of consular rank, as well as poets. It was for this reason that, in alluding to the assistance he had received, he did not speak of his coadjutors as very young men but as persons of whose services the people had full experience in peace, in war, and in the administration of affairs. After he had given his comedies to the world, at a time when he had not passed his thirty-fifth year, in order to avoid suspicion, as he found others publishing their works under his name, or else to make himself acquainted with the modes of life and habits of the Greeks, for the purpose of exhibiting them in his plays, he withdrew from home, to which he never returned. Valcatius gives this account of his death. Said ye be afer se populo dedit comedias, iter hic in asium facet. Navum cum semel consendit, vices nunquam est sic vita vacat. 535. When Afer had produced six plays for the entertainment of the people, he embarked for Asia. But from the time he went on board ship he was never seen again. Thus he ended his life. Q. 
Consentious reports that he perished at sea on his voyage back from Greece, and that 108 plays, of which he had made a version from Menander, 940, were lost with him. Others say that he died at Stymphalos, in Arcadia, or in Leucadia, during the consulship of Cien. Cornelius Dalabella and Marcus Fulvius Nobilier, 941, worn out with a severe illness, and with grief and regret for the loss of his baggage, which he had sent forward in a ship that was wrecked, and contained the last new plays he had written. In person, Terence is reported to have been rather short and slender, with a dark complexion. He had an only daughter, who was afterwards married to a Roman knight, and he left also twenty acres of garden ground, nine hundred and forty-two, on the Appian Way, at the Villa of Mars. I, therefore, wonder the more how Porcius could have written the verses. Nihil Publius Scipio Profut, Nihil E.T. Laelius, Nihil Furius, Trace per idem tempisca adjudabent nobiles facilime. Eura mile opera ne domum cadem habuit conductitium saltem etieset, quo referet abitum domini servilis. 943. Afranius places him at the head of all the comic writers, declaring, in his Compitalia, Terentio non similem dices quempium. Terence's equal cannot soon be found. On the other hand, Volcatius reckons him inferior not only, 536, to Naivius, Plautus, and Cicilius, but also to Licinius. Cicero pays him this high compliment, in his limo. Tu quoque, casolus lecto sermon, Terenti, conversum expressum latina voci menandrum in medio populis sedatus vasibus offers, quiquid cum locans, ac omnia dulcia dicens. You only, Terence, translated into Latin, and clothed in choice language the plays of Menander, and brought them before the public, who, in crowded audiences, hung upon hushed applause. Grace marked each line, and every period charmed. So also Caius Caesar. Tu coqui tu in sum is, O Demidiate Menander, Poneris, Edi Marito, Puri Sermonis Amadir, Lenibus Acutinum Scriptus Adjuncta Fore Vis Comica. Uti quato virtus polaret honore cum grisis, nec in hoc despectus part jacers. Unum hoc maser, et dolio tibi dies terenti. You, too, who divide your honors with Menander, will take your place among poets of the highest order, and justly, too, such is the purity of your style. Would only that to your graceful diction was added more comic force, that your works might equal and merit the Greek masterpieces and your inferiority in this particular should not expose you to censure. This is my only regret. In this, Terence, I grieve to say you are wanting. The life of Juvenal. D. Junius Juvenalis, who was either the son, 944, of a wealthy freedman, or brought up by him, it is not known which, declaimed till the middle of life, 945, more from the bent of his inclination than from any desire to prepare himself either for the schools or the forum. But having composed a short satire, 946, which was clever enough, on Paris, 947, the actor of pantomimes, 537, and also on the poet of Claudius Nero, who was puffed up by having held some inferior military rank for six months only, he afterwards devoted himself with much seal to that style of writing. For a while indeed, he had not the courage to read them even to a small circle of auditors, but it was not long before he recited his satires to crowded audiences, and with entire success, 
and this he did twice or thrice, inserting new lines among those which he had originally composed. Quot non dan proceres, dabit his trio, two camerinos, ed berias, two nobilium magna atria curas, prefectos pelapia facet, philomela tribunos. Behold an actor's patronage affords a surer means of rising than a lord's. And wilt thou still the Camerinos, 948, court, or to the halls of Beria's resort, when tribunes Pelopia can create and Philomela prefects, who shall rule the state? 949. At that time the player was in high favor at court, and many of those who fawned upon him were daily raised to posts of honor. Juvenal therefore incurred the suspicion of having covertly satirized occurrences which were then passing, and although eighty years old at that time, 950, he was immediately removed from the city, being sent into honorable banishment as prefect of a cohort, which was under orders to proceed to a station at the extreme frontier of Egypt, 951. That 538 sort of punishment was selected, as it appeared severe enough for an offense which was venial, and a mere piece of drollery. However, he died very soon afterwards, worn down by grief, and weary of his life. The Life of Perseus. Aulus Perseus Flaccus was born the day before the Nones of December, December 4th. 952, in the consulship of Fabius Persicus and L. Vitellius. He died on the 8th of the Calends of December, November 24th. 953, in the consulship of Rubrius Marius and Asinius Gallus. Though born at Volterra, in Etruria, he was a Roman knight, allied both by blood and marriage to persons of the highest rank, 954. He ended his days at an estate he had at the eighth milestone on the Appian Way. His father, Flaccus, who died when he was barely six years old, left him under the care of guardians, and his mother, Fulvia Silena, who afterwards married Fusius, a Roman knight, buried him also in a very few years. Perseus Flaccus pursued his studies at Volterra till he was twelve years old, and then continued them at Rome, under Remius Polemon, the grammarian, and Virginius Flaccus, the rhetorician. Arriving at the age of twenty-one, he formed a friendship with Aeneas Cornutus, 955, which lasted through life, and from him he learned the rudiments of philosophy. Among his earliest friends were Cesius Bassus, 956, and Calpurnius Statura, the latter of whom died while Perseus himself was yet in his youth. Servilius, 539, Numinus, 957, he reverenced as a father. Through Cornutus he was introduced to Aeneas, as well as to Lucan, who was of his own age, and also a disciple of Cornutus. At that time Cornutus was a tragic writer. He belonged to the sect of the Stoics, and left behind him some philosophical works. Lucan was so delighted with the writings of Perseus Flaccus, that he could scarcely refrain from giving loud tokens of applause while the author was reciting them, and declared that they had the true spirit of poetry. It was late before Perseus made the acquaintance of Seneca, and then he was not much struck with his natural endowments. At the house of Cornutus he enjoyed the society of two very learned and excellent men, who were then zealously devoting themselves to philosophical inquiries, namely, Claudius Agaternus, a physician from Lacedaemon and Petronius Aristocrates, of Magnesia, men whom he held in the highest esteem, and with whom he vied in their studies, as they were of his own age, being younger than Cornutus. 
During nearly the last ten years of his life he was much beloved by Thracias, so that he sometimes traveled abroad in his company, and his cousin Aria was married to him. Perseus was remarkable for gentle manners, for a modesty amounting to bashfulness, a handsome form, and an attachment to his mother, sister, and aunt, which was most exemplary. He was frugal and chaste. He left his mother and sister twenty thousand sesterces, requesting his mother, in a written codicil, to present to Cornutus, as some say, one hundred sesterces, or as others, twenty pounds of wrought silver, nine hundred and fifty-eight, besides about seven hundred books, which, indeed, included his whole library. Cornutus, however, would only take the books, and gave up the legacy to the sisters, whom his brother had constituted his heirs. He wrote, 959, seldom, and not very fast, even the work we possess he left incomplete. Some verses are wanting at the end of the book, 960, but Cornutus thoughtlessly recited it, as if, 540, it was finished, and on Cesius Bassus requesting to be allowed to publish it, he delivered it to him for that purpose. In his younger days, Perseus had written a play, as well as an itinerary, with several copies of verses on Thracia's father-in-law, and Arias. 961. Mother, who had made away with herself before her husband. But Cornutus used his whole influence with the mother of Perseus to prevail upon her to destroy these compositions. As soon as his book of satires was published, all the world began to admire it, and were eager to buy it up. He died of a disease in the stomach, in the thirtieth year of his age, 962. But no sooner had he left school and his masters, than he set to work with great vehemence to compose satires, from having read the tenth book of Lucilius, and made the beginning of that book his model, presently launching his invectives all around with so little scruple, that he did not spare contemporary poets and orators, and even lashed Nero himself, who was then the reigning prince. The verse ran as follows. Auriculus Asini Mita Rex Habit, King Midas has an ass's ears. But Cornutus altered it thus. Auriculus Asini Kaznan Hahe? Who has not an ass's ears? In order that it might not be supposed that it was meant to apply to Nero. The Life of Horace. Horatius Flaccus was a native of Venusium, 963, his father having been, by his own account, 964, a freedman and collector of taxes, but, as it is generally believed, a dealer insulted, 541, provisions, for someone with whom Horace had a quarrel, jeered him, by saying, How often have I seen your father wiping his nose with his fist? In the Battle of Philippi, he served as a military tribune, 965, which post he filled at the instance of Marcus Brutus, 966, the general, and having obtained a pardon on the overthrow of his party, he purchased the office of scribe to a quester, afterwards insinuating himself first into the good graces of Macenas, and then of Augustus, he secured no small share in the regard of both. And first, how much Macenas loved him may be seen by the epigram in which he says, N.I.T. viscerabus mice, horati, plus jam diligo, tidium sodalum, gino tu vidias strigosirum. 967. But it was more strongly exhibited by Augustus, in a short sentence uttered in his last moments. Be as mindful of Horatius Flaccus as you are of me. Augustus offered to appoint him his secretary, 
signifying his wishes to Makinas in a letter to the following effect. Hitherto I have been able to write my own epistles to friends, but now I am too much occupied and in an infirm state of health. I wish, therefore, to deprive you of our Horace. Let him leave, therefore, your luxurious table and come to the palace, and he shall assist me in writing my letters. And upon his refusing to accept the office, he either exhibited the smallest displeasure, nor ceased to heap upon him tokens of his regard. Letters of his are extant, from which I will make some short extracts to establish this. Use your influence over me with the same freedom as you would do if we were living together as friends. In so doing you will be perfectly right, and guilty of no impropriety, for I could wish that our intercourse should be on that footing, if your health admitted of it. And again, how I hold you in memory you may learn, 542, from our friend Septimius, 968, for I happened to mention you when he was present. And if you are so proud as to scorn my friendship, that is no reason why I should lightly esteem yours, in return. Besides this, among other drolleries, he often called him his most immaculate penis, and his charming little man, and loaded him from time to time with proofs of his munificence. He admired his works so much, and was so convinced of their enduring fame, that he directed him to compose the secular poem, as well as that on the victory of his stepsons Tiberius and Drusus over the Vindelici, 969, and for this purpose urged him to add, after a long interval, a fourth book of odes to the former three. After reading his sermons, in which he found no mention of himself, he complained in these terms. You must know that I am very angry with you, because in most of your works of this description you do not choose to address yourself to me. Are you afraid that, in times to come, your reputation will suffer, in case it should appear that you lived on terms of intimate friendship with me? And he wrung from him the eulogy which begins with, Cum tot sustinias, eti tanta negotia solis, residential italas armus tutoris, moribus orns, legibus immens, in publica commoda peccum, si longo sermon mora tua tempora, Caesar. Epist. 2. I. While you alone sustain the important weight of Rome's affairs, so various and so great, while you the public will with arms defend, adorn with morals, and with laws amend, shall not the tedious letter prove a crime? that steals one moment of our Caesar's time. Francis. In person, Horace was short and fat, as he is described by himself in his satires, 970, and by Augustus in the following letter. Dionysius has brought me your small volume, which, little as it is, not to blame you for that, I shall judge favorably. You seem to me, however, to be afraid lest your volumes should be bigger than yourself. But if you are short in stature, you are corpulent enough. You may, therefore, 543, if you will, write in a court when the size of your volume is as large round as your paunch. It is reported that he was immoderately addicted to venery, for he is said to have had obscene pictures so disposed in a bedchamber lined with mirrors, that, whichever way he looked, lascivious images might present themselves to his view. 971 he lived for the most part in the retirement of his farm, 972, on the confines of the Sabine and Tibertine territories, and his house is shown in the neighborhood of a little wood not far from Tiber. Some elegies ascribed to him, and a prose epistle apparently written to commend himself to Machinas, have been handed down to us, 
but I believe that neither of them are genuine works of his, for the elegies are commonplace, and the epistle is wanting in perspicuity, a fault which cannot be imputed to his style. He was born on the 6th of the Ides of December, December 27th, in the consulship of Lucius Cotta, 973, and Lucius Torquatus, and died on the 5th of the Calends of December, November 27th, in the consulship of Caius Martius Censorinus and Caius Asinius Gallus, 974, having completed his 59th year. He made a numcupatory will, declaring Augustus his heir, not being able, from the violence of his disorder, to sign one in due form. He was interred and lies buried on the skirts of the Esquiline Hill, near the tomb of Machinas. 975. 544. M. Aeneas Lucanus, a native of Cordoba, 976, first tried the powers of his genius in an encomium on Nero, at the Quinquennial Games. He afterwards recited his poem on the civil war carried on between Pompey and Caesar. His vanity was so immense, and he gave such liberty to his tongue, that in some preface, comparing his age and his first efforts with those of Virgil, he had the assurance to say, And what now remains for me is to deal with a gnat. In his early youth, after being long informed of the sort of life his father led in the country, in consequence of an unhappy marriage, 977, he was recalled from Athens by Nero, who admitted him into the circle of his friends, and even gave him the honor of the questorship, but he did not long remain in favor. Smarting at this, and having publicly stated that Nero had withdrawn, all of a sudden, without communicating with the Senate, and without any other motive than his own recreation, after this he did not cease to assail the emperor both with foul words and with acts which are still notorious. So that on one occasion, when easing his bowels in the common privy, there being a louder explosion than usual, he gave vent to the nemestic of Nero. One would suppose it was thundering underground. In the hearing of those who were sitting there for the same purpose, and who took to their heels in much consternation, 978. In a poem also, which was in every one's hands, he severely lashed both the emperor and his most powerful adherents. At length, he became nearly the most active leader in Piso's conspiracy, 979, and while he dwelt without reserve in many quarters on the glory of those who dipped their hands in the 545 blood of tyrants, he launched out into open threats of violence, and carried them so far as to boast that he would cast the emperor's head at the feet of his neighbors. When, however, the plot was discovered, he did not exhibit any firmness of mind. A confession was wrung from him without much difficulty, and humbling himself to the most abject entreaties, he even named his innocent mother as one of the conspirators, 980, hoping that his want of natural affection would give him favor in the eyes of a parricidal prince. Having obtained permission to choose his mode of death, 981, he wrote notes to his father, containing corrections of some of his verses, and having made a full meal, allowed a physician to open the veins in his arm, 982. I have also heard it said that his poems were offered for sale, and commented upon, not only with care and diligence, but also in a trifling way. 983. The Life of Pliny. 984. Plinius Secundus, a native of New Como, 985, having served in, 546, the wars with strict attention to his duties, in the rank of a knight, 
distinguished himself, also, by the great integrity with which he administered the high functions of procurator for a long period in the several provinces entrusted to his charge. But still he devoted so much attention to literary pursuits, that it would not have been an easy matter for a person who enjoyed entire leisure to have written more than he did. He comprised, in twenty volumes, an account of all the various wars carried on in successive periods with the German tribes. Besides this, he wrote a natural history, which extended to seven books. He fell a victim to the calamitous event which occurred in Campania. For, having the command of the fleet at Misenum, when Vesuvius was throwing up a fiery eruption, he put to sea with his galleys for the purpose of exploring the causes of the phenomenon close on the spot, 986. But being prevented by contrary winds from sailing back, he was suffocated in the dense cloud of dust and ashes. Some, however, think that he was killed by his slave, having implored him to put an end to his sufferings, when he was reduced to the last extremity by the fervent heat. 987. The End of Lives of the Poets. Footnotes. 925. Lucius Fenestella, an historical writer, is mentioned by Lactantius, Seneca, and Pliny, who says that he died towards the close of the reign of Tiberius. 926. The Second Punic War ended AEC 552, and the Third began AEC 605. Terence was probably born about 560. 927. Carthage was laid in ruins AUC 606 or 607, 667 years after its foundation. 928. These entertainments were given by the Aediles M. Fulvius Nobilier and M. Asilius Glabrio, AUC 587. 929. S. T. Jerome also states that Terence read the Andrea to Cicilius, who was a comic poet at Rome, but it is clearly an anachronism as he died two years before this period. It is proposed, therefore, to amend the text by substituting Asilius, the Aedile, a correction recommended by all the circumstances, and approved by Petiscus and Ernesti. 930. The Hesira, the mother-in-law, is one of Terence's plays. 931. The eunuch was not brought out till five years after the Andrea, A.C. 592. 932, about 80 pounds sterling, the price paid for the two performances. What further right of authorship is meant by the words following is not very clear. 933, the Adelphi, was first acted AUC 593. 934, this report is mentioned by Cicero, ad Attic 7. 3, who applies it to the younger Laelius. The Scipio here mentioned is Scipio Africanus who was at this time about twenty-one years of age. 935. The Calends of March was the festival of married women. See before Vespasian, c. 19. 936. Santra, who wrote biographies of celebrated characters, is mentioned as a man of learning, by S. T. Jerome, in his preface to the book on the ecclesiastical writers. 937. The idea seems to have prevailed that Terence, originally an African slave, could not have attained that purity of style and Latin composition which is found in his plays, without some assistance. The style of Phaedrus, however, who was a slave from Thrace, and lived in the reign of Tiberius, is equally pure, although no such suspicion attaches to his work.
938. Cicero, Declar. Orit. C. 207. Gives Sulpicius Gallus a high character as a finished orator and elegant scholar. He was consul when the Andrea was first produced. 939. Labio and Papilius are also spoken of by Cicero in high terms. IBCC 21 and 24. Q. Fabius Labio was consul with him. Claudius Marcellus, AUC 570 and Papilius with L. Postumius Albinus, AUC 580. 940. The story of Terence's having converted into Latin plays this large number of Menander's Greek comedies is beyond all probability, considering the age at which he died and other circumstances. Indeed, Menander never wrote so many as are here stated. 941. There were consuls AUC 594. Terence was, therefore, 34 years old at the time of his death. 942. Horchelorum, in the plural number. This term, often found in Roman authors, not inaptly describes the vast number of little enclosures, consisting of vineyards, orchards of fig trees, peaches, etc., with patches of tillage, in which maize, legumes, melons, pumpkins, and other vegetables are cultivated for sale, still found on small properties, in the south of Europe, particularly in the neighborhood of towns. 943. Suetonius has quoted these lines in the earlier part of his Life of Terence. See before page 532, where they are translated. 944. Juvenal was born at Aquinum, a town of the Volscians, as appears by an ancient MS, and is intimated by himself. Saturday 3. 319. 945. He must have been therefore nearly forty years old at this time, as he lived to be eighty. 946. The seventh of Juvenal's satires. 947. This Paris does not appear to have been the favorite of Nero, who was put to death by that prince C. Nero, C. Live, but another person of the same name, who was patronized by the emperor Domitian. The name of the poet joined with him is not known. Salmatius thinks it was Statius Pompilius, who sold to Paris, the actor, the play of Agave. Isurit, intactum paridi nisi vendata gave in dot, juvenile Saturday 7. 87. 948. Sulpicius Camerinus had been proconsul in Africa. Berius Serenus in Asia. Tacit. Annal. 13. 52. 16. 23. Both of them are said to have been corrupt in their administration, and the satirist introduces their names as examples of the rich and noble, whose influence was less than that of favorite actors, or whose avarice prevented them from becoming the patrons of poets. 949. The Pelopia was a tragedy founded on the story of the daughter of Iestus. The Philomela, a tragedy on the fate of Ides, whose remains were served to his father at a banquet by Philomela and her sister Progne. 950. This was in the time of Adrian. Juvenal, who wrote first in the reigns of Domitian and Trajan, composed his last satire but one in the third year of Adrian. AUC 872. 951. Syene is meant, the frontier station of the imperial troops in that quarter of the world. 952. AUC 786. AD 34. 953. AUC 814. AD 62. 
954, Persius was one of the few men of rank and affluence among the Romans, who acquired distinction as writers, the greater part of them having been freedmen, as appears not only from these lives of the poets, but from our author's notices of the grammarians and rhetoricians. Achaius Persius is mentioned with distinction by Liddy in the Second Punic War, Hist. 26, 39, and another of the same name by Cicero, De Orit. 2, 6, and by Pliny, but whether the poet was descended from either of them, we have no means of ascertaining. 955, Persius addressed his fifth satire to Aeneas Cornutus. He was a native of Leptis, in Africa, and lived at Rome in the time of Nero, by whom he was banished. 956. Cesius Bassus, a lyric poet, flourished during the reigns of Nero and Galba. Persius dedicated his sixth satire to him. 957. Numinus. It should be Servilius Nonianus, who is mentioned by Pliny, 28. 2 and 37. 6. 958. Commentators are not agreed about these sums, the text varying both in the manuscripts and editions. 959. See Dr. Thompson's remarks on Persius, before, page 398. 960. There is no appearance of any one of finish in the sixth satire of Persius, as it has come down to us, but it has been conjectured that it was followed by another, which was left imperfect. 961. There were two arias, mother and daughter, tacit. Annal. 16. 34. 3. 962. Persius died about nine days before he completed his twenty-ninth year. 963. Venusium stood on the confines of the Apulian, Lucanian, and Samnite territories. Secor hunc, Lucanus and Apulus anceps, nam venusinus erat finum subutrump colonis. Horse Saturday 11. 1. 34. 964. Saturday I. 6. 45. 965. Horace mentions his being in this battle and does not scruple to admit that he made rather a precipitate retreat. Relicta non bene parmula. Ode 11. 7-9. 966. See Ode 11. 7. 1. 967. The editors of Suetonius give different versions of this epigram. It seems to allude to some passing occurrence, and in its present form the sense is to this effect. If I love you not, Horace, to my very heart's core, may you see the priest of the College of Titus leaner than his mule. 968. Probably the Septimus to whom Horace addressed the ode beginning. Septimi, Gades editor mecum dot, ode XL. B.I. 969. See Augustus, C. 21. And Horace, ode 4, 4. 970. See Epist. I. 4. 15. Me pinguim et nididum bene curata cute vices. 971. It is satisfactory to find that the best commentators consider the words between brackets as an interpolation in the work of Suetonius. Some, including Bentley, reject the preceding sentence also. 972. The works of Horace abound with references to his Sabine farm which must be familiar to many readers. Some remains are still shown, consisting of a ruined wall and a tessellated pavement in a vineyard, about eight miles from Tivoli, which are supposed, with reason, 
to market's sight. At least, the features of the neighboring country, as often sketched by the poet, and they are very beautiful, cannot be mistaken. 973. Aurelius Cata and L. Manlius Torquatus were consuls AUC 688. The genial Horace, in speaking of his old wine, agrees with Suetonius in fixing the date of his own birth. O not amicum consul manlio testa dot, ode three. Twenty-one, and again. Tu vina, torquato, move consul pressa mio dot, epod. Thirteen eight. Nine hundred and seventy-four, AUC seven hundred and forty-five. So that Horace was in his fifty-seventh, not his fifty-ninth year, at the time of his death. Nine hundred and seventy-five, it may be concluded that Horace died at Rome, under the hospitable roof of his patron Macinus, whose villa and garden stood on the Esquiline Hill, which had formerly been the burial ground of the lower classes. But, as he tells us, Nunc licet Esquilius habitera salubribus, at Cagira in Aprico spatiare dot, Saturday I, 8. 976 Cordova. Lucan was the son of Aeneas Mela, Seneca's brother. 977. This sentence is very obscure, and Ernesti considers the text to be imperfect. 978. They had good reason to know that, ridiculous as the tyrant made himself, it was not safe to incur even the suspicion of being parties to a jest upon him. 979. See Nero, c. 36. 980. St. Jerem, Cron. Yuzeb. Places Lucan's death in the tenth year of Nero's reign corresponding with AEC 817. This opportunity is taken of correcting an error in the press, page 342, respecting the date of Nero's accession. It should be AEC 807, AD 55. 981. These circumstances are not mentioned by some other writers. See Dr. Thompson's account of Lucan, before, page 347, where it is said that he died with philosophical firmness. 982. We find it stated I.B. page 396, that Lucan expired while pronouncing some verses from his own Pharsalia, for which we have the authority of Tacitus, Amel. 15. 20. 1. Lucan, it appears, employed his last hours in revising his poems. On the contrary, Virgil, we are told, when his death was imminent, renewed his directions that the Aeneid should be committed to the flames. 983. The text of the concluding sentence of Lucan's life is corrupt, and neither of the modes proposed for correcting it make the sense intended very clear. 984. Although this brief memoir of Pliny is inserted in all the editions of Suetonius, it was unquestionably not written by him. The author, whoever he was, has confounded the two Plinys, the uncle and nephew, into which Aristotonius could not have fallen, as he lived on intimate terms with the younger Pliny nor can it be supposed that he would have composed the memoir of his illustrious friend in so cursory a manner. Scaliger and other learned men consider that the life of Pliny, attributed to Suetonius, was composed more than four centuries after that historian's death. 985, C. Julius, C. 28. Caius Plinius Cicilius Secundus, the younger Pliny, was born at Como, AUC 814, AD 62. His father's name was Lucius Cicilius, also of Como, who married Plinia, the sister of Caius Plinius Secundus, supposed to have been a native of Verona, the author of the natural history, 
and by this marriage the uncle of Pliny the Younger. It was the nephew who enjoyed the confidence of the emperors Nerva and Trajan, and was the author of the celebrated letters. 986. The first eruption of Mount Vesuvius occurred AUC 831, AD 79. See Titus C. 8. The younger Pliny was with his uncle at Misenum at the time, and has left an account of his disastrous enterprise in one of his letters, Epist. 6. 16. 987. For further accounts of the elder Pliny, see the epistles of his nephew B. 3. 5. 6. 16. 20. And Dr. Thompson's remarks before, pages 475 to 478. End of Project Gutenberg's Lives of the Poets by C. Suetonius Tranquillus.